Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the worship service at the United Methodist Church, Westlake Village. I know those of you who are present know where you are, but if uh, you're online, you might not be sure of where you tuned in, so that's why I say that. We're so glad to have you here in worship with us. This is the day that the Lord has made. If you have good memories, you'll recall that before the pandemic, we used to get up and greet one another. And there are some people still around that think that's a nice gesture. So please, take a moment, stand up, and greet those around you in the pew and welcome them to worship of our Lord. All right, blessings upon you all. Peace of Christ be with you all. We are, we are still collecting uh, items for the refugee kits. Uh, the Saltos are here. They can help inform you as to what might be needed in that kit, and, and they will be happy if you can uh, contribute items for those kits to collect them from the church here and get them over to where they need to be by uh, next weekend. So, so let us uh, turn to the Saltos for that and... Uh, let them help you to be uh, a supporter of that. Palm Sunday is next Sunday. We have children's procession during the first hymn, which is their chance to wave around palms as we sing Hosanna, loud Hosanna. So if, uh, if that's exciting, pass that around so that you're sure to uh, have your grandkids or your kids here with us. This is uh, a special month of mission work, uh, mission giving for UMCOR, United Methodist Committee on Relief. We're we're supporting different places where there's been um, trauma and, and difficulty, so uh, consider that as your, your second mile giving this month. Bowls of Hope happened this afternoon. Right when you're done with worship, you can just head over to the big auditorium and be a part of the support of many, many mansions. Bowls of Hope is a, is a great way to uh, increase your bowls at home that you can have soup in and to have some great soup at Cal Lutheran, but also to be, be participating in a process that helps to support uh, nonprofit in our community. Uh, there are Easter flower dedication sheets in the narthex. Uh, fill them out if you want to uh, help underwrite the cost of all the flowers that will be here on Easter. If you are online and you want to be a part of that dedication, um, we'll have it printed up, I believe, and also on the screens uh, on Easter who we're dedicating our lilies and flowers to. If you want to be a part of that, call into the church office. And, and Vinia will help make that arrangement for you. And Vinia, this morning, is the, uh, is the donor behind uh, the flowers on the altar. Uh, Vinia is our, our business, well, used to be called a business administrator. She's now our administrative director here at the church. And she's offering these flowers in honor of the volunteers who are stepping forward now that we're becoming more active again on campus, stepping forward to help uh, person the office. So she extends her gratitude to all those donors and makes that known to all of us, and, and we're happy for that. All right, we have a baptism today. Christy, Pastor Christy, is with us. That's her husband next to her. If you have not met Jeff yet, you have an opportunity in worship. Their kids are somewhere on campus probably, but the older of them is back there with the uh, video machine in our media booth. Kaylee, it's great to... Callie, it's great to have you. Great to have you with us. Okay, let us uh, center ourselves and sing to the Lord. for the call to worship and remain standing for the hymn and the invocation. The road can be stony and the journey difficult. Thanks be to God. We make this journey in the strength of the Lord. Let us worship the one who takes our hand and bolsters our spirits. 
God is our beginning and end, and with us all the in-between. Thanks be to God, our strength and our shield. up your hearts. Let us pray. Holy and merciful God, we come into your special presence this day, grateful of your forgiveness and love. We aspire to live faithfully. Help us toward that good that we might bring light into darkness and spread hope where there is despair. Give us the clarity, conviction, candor, hope, and fortitude of a courageous faith. Amen. you guys to move around a little today too. Come on up. Oh, thank you. How are you, love? It's been a long time, huh? Come on up. We've got lots of We even have room for winter. Winter can come too. All right. So for Sunday school today, you guys, guess what you're going to learn about? We are getting ready to go into Holy Week, and we are going to learn about how Jesus washed his disciples' feet. So I brought this little bottle or jar of water here, and I thought I could wash each of your feet before you go. What do you think? (laughs) I'm not going to wash your feet. Don't start taking off your shoes and socks. I see lots of new faces, so before I go on, my name is Pastor Christy. And I actually, my job is the pastor of family ministries, intergenerational ministries over Conejo Connect. So I connect three churches together for all of the kids and all of their parents and all their grandparents and so on. Doesn't that sound like fun? So when Jesus washed his disciple feet, it was a very common thing to have done before you walk into a house to get your feet cleaned because like a bathtub. it was kind of like a bathtub because it was dirty and they wore sandals and so it was a, a hospitality thing it was a nice thing for the people to do to wash their guests feet but Jesus always was turning tables upside down do you know he just did things weird sometimes and so he did the Lord's Supper the Last Supper, the Passover Supper, whichever way you want to talk about it. And then he went and he 
knelt down before each of his disciples and he washed their feet. Sorry, I'm going to turn around to the rest of you. So he would take the bowl and he would kneel down and then he'd put their feet in. But I don't want to do feet, but you can touch the water if you want and there's something you can dry your hands with and wash your hands. You don't have to. You don't have to. It's just water here. Here's something you can dry your hands with. This is a sample of what maybe Jesus would have done, but in a minute we're going to look at some God water. All right, you want to touch? Yeah. You want to touch? Yo, I think I'm too old to get up from this position. <laughs> All right. Did you get to touch Amelia? Did you get to touch already? Do you want to? Okay. It is warm water because I didn't want to freeze you guys to death. And then Jesus would have taken good care of their feet. Let's get rid of those towels. Now you guys want to see something else? Come stand up with me and come this way for a minute. All right, so in just a little bit, we're going to bring winter up, and we are going to have winter baptized. And what will happen is the water is going to be poured into the container, the bowl. We have to be very careful. It is glass. We're not going to touch this water. This is for winter. But it. Oh, it's not dirty. Those are just bubbles. Well, you chose dirty water? Oh, no. But Pastor Walt is going to come over and he is going to bless the water and he's going to bring baby winter up and he is going to baptize her into. The church. Now, some people say, why do we do babies? And you know what? One of my old professors said, everybody we baptize is babies. But you want to know why? Because we can baptize the oldest person I ever baptized. It was my first baptism. He was 89. But he would have been considered a baby too, because we are all new creation through Christ as we go through this. So if you guys want to sit down, you can be part of the baptism and then you will be able to go to Sunday school or if you want to go in the playground, either one. But you want to sit down and be part? Good. Yeah, go ahead and, and sit down where you can see what's going on. And, and Ashley and Holly, Do you want to uh, sit come right on here? up. And if, uh, if some other folk you want to invite up to be up here with us, come. Now's the time to... Now it's time to come. See if you can get up here yeah, by Pastor Christie. Can we make a little hall so we can bring baby winter can up, Can we get guys? our way through? <laughs> yeah. Just right on either side of, of Pastor Christie. Yeah, you can be on that side. Yeah. That looks good. Perfect. All right. Come on up. Come on. Welcome, everybody. Brothers and sisters, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church, and we are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation, given new birth through water and the Spirit. Today, we bring forward out of the Hendry family winter for this marvelous sacrament of baptism. And so parents, Holly, Ashley, I would, I would ask you these three baptismal questions. They're core to our faith. And the answer, um, we hope, is I do. <laughs> <clears throat> On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness and reject the evil powers of this world? Do you repent of your sin and accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms that they present themselves? 
And do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages and nations and races? All right, then to you and godparents, I ask this question. This is a, an I will question. Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by accepting your teaching and example, she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? Will you do that? I will. Okay. That is a question that really should be on all of our hearts because um, we bring forward uh, this child into our extended family of faith. And so all of us really are asked to step forward as members of the family and to do our best for winter that she might be raised in the spirit of a loving and graceful God. Ah, so... Congregation, there's going to be a slide on the screen if we've been able to do things right. Here we go. Do you, congregation, as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include winter now before you in your care? With God's help. We will proclaim the is live according to We will surround the community of love and forgiveness. That they may grow in their trust of God and be found faithful in their service to others. We will pray for her that she may be disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. Okay, hold on to that for a second. Let us have a word of prayer. Okay. Holy God, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. And as we read scripture, we realize that the element of water is central to our understanding of life, of your sustenance, of your ability to give forth abundance to this creation and to us, to cleansing us, to remaking us, to bringing us to life through water. And so we ask that your spirit would be upon this water as a symbol of your love and of your grace this day. Pour out your Holy Spirit that this gift of water and she who receives it that she may have in a sense of your power the cleansing of all of herself and a rebirth experience into a new and abundant life fully within your spirit. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. All right. Y'all come around with me. I went to... She's smiling. <laughs> What is her middle name? Uh, Kimberly Ann. Kimberly Winter Kimberly Ann. Yes. Winter Kimberly Ann, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And may the Holy Spirit work. Bless you. <laughs> may the Holy Spirit work within your life that you would be a healthy and happy and faithful follower of the way of love and of Jesus Christ in this life forever. We pray for your well-being. We pray for your health and your love. We pray for your life. Aww. Amen, huh? <laughs> Amen? Amen. 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 Congregation, now it is our joy to welcome our new sister in Christ. Through baptism, you are incorporated by the Holy Spirit into God's new creation and made to share Christ Jesus. With joy and thanksgiving, we welcome you as a member of the family of Christ. I know. Is that adorable or what? You are so adorable. We're going to sing a song. 
on your behalf right now, and I'm going to ask mom to just kind of kind of walk out in the aisle and, and, and maybe come back. Okay. Find your way back. I will try my best. Okay? And, and we're all going to sing. Make a path. We're all going to sing to you. Chrissy, you want to go with her to make sure that she doesn't trip on the steps and all? We're all going to sing to you. Is it up there? Yeah. There we go. Nick? You want to come with us? you remember already you've been here for a long yes. time in our hearts in our belly <laughs> and now in our lives in person we're so glad to welcome you into the christian fellowship of faith into our family of faith may you have a great life thank god bless you guys thank you thank you good job Rachel. All right, kiddos, if you want to go to class, Miss Pam is waiting in the back. If you would like to go to the playground, that's available. Let us center ourselves and go to God in prayer. Holy God, hear the stirrings of our spirits, the yearning of our minds and the hopes of our hearts as we join with one another in prayer this morning. We need your touch made real in our lives to give us strength and courage, healing and renewed life. We pray for those around us who are struggling with physical or mental health issues, with troubled relationships, uncertain employment, or other forms of disease and discomfort. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We think specifically of Sally DeLong, whose condition is worsening. Prayers for medications to work and for comfort. We pray for Kathy Drake, Mike Teobaldi, and Sarah Pierce as they deal, Sandy Pierce, as they deal with the effects of cancer and treatments. Strengthen their loved ones in their support and care. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We also lift up Tom Hopkins and Connie as Tom is out of Los Robles and at PT Place on East Campus for Rick Gear's friend Joe as he recovers from a heart attack. Oh Lord, hear our prayers.
We pray for comfort and peace for Bruce Vanderbalk as his family and friends as they grieve the loss of Bruce's wife, Millie. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for those suffering from COVID and their personal caregivers and all medical personnel assisting them. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for the people of Ukraine and for peace for all in that region. And we continue to pray for those suffering from earthquakes and random gun violence abroad and at home. We pray, Lord, that we find ways to better care for one another. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for our North District sister churches, Camarillo, Korean United Methodist Church, and Pastor Sang Lee, and Bishop First United Methodist Church, and Pastor Kate Hunter. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. And we now think of other people and situations in our private prayer thoughts. Come in to these lives, Lord, in a powerful way that helps all of these folk know your support, your nature, your nurture, and healing. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. And today, Lord, we think of those who have experienced particular moments of joy. We gave thanks and we still continue to give thanks for the beautiful baptism of winter and welcoming her into our church family officially. We give thanks for all of the kids that were here to spend time and to experience the beauty, the gift, the sacrament of baptism. We give thanks that Margie Price is out of the hospital and we give thanks that Sandy Nordoff's granddaughter, Sarah, received a residency match at UNC Chapel Hill for orthopedic surgery. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for our church as it continues in its ministries through these times and ask you, God, to help maintain our effectiveness and vitality. May the good that we do be pleasing in your sight. In all of this we pray in your son's holy name, joining in the prayer he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
reading today is from the Gospels of Luke and Matthew. Hear the words of Luke 9, 1 through 6. Jesus called the twelve together and gave them authority and power over all the demons and to cure diseases. He then sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, not even an extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. Wherever they do not welcome you, as you are leaving that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They departed and went through the villages, bringing the good news and curing diseases everywhere. <clears throat> Hear the words of Matthew 16, 13 through 18. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say I am? And Simon answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May, may the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight. Amen. Last week we had the, the Los Angeles Marathon. I'm right, aren't I? Wasn't that just last week? The kind of event that many of us think of as the epitome of, of stick to running 26, 26 miles. Now, some people do this kind of thing on their bicycles, right, Ernie? Maybe not 26 miles or 23 miles, but a lot of miles. Some people call that enjoyable. <laughs> they do it of their own volition. They spend money to get equipment so that they're able to do this and enjoy it. I use a stationary bike, maybe uh, two or four times a week, depending on how conscientious I can be. And it seems to me that 30 minutes is a long time. And marathoners, they go on for hours and hours, pushing through the tiredness and through the pain uh, just to keep going. Now, not being like that, my first thought about stick to was not about running or bicycling a, a marathon, but rather was about a football game. The 1967 Green Bay Packers against the Dallas Cowboys for the NFL championship, now affectionately called the Ice Bowl, since temperatures ran from a high of 13 below zero to a low with the wind chill of 46 below zero. That's what they played the game in at Lambeau Field. The Packers won with 13 seconds remaining in the game after a tremendously difficult drive, exhausted, freezing. You can imagine, they, they persevered and they won. And there's, in my mind, an iconic photo from uh, Sports Illustrated of Jerry Kramer, you know, the, the uh, frost coming out of his mouth as he's breathing, standing over and looking down at the quarterback, Bart Starr, who's, you know, sprawled into the end zone with the ball, having made the touchdown. That's etched in my mind as a youngster as what stick to looked like. Now, people have told me stories about their illnesses and their, their treatment regimens that, that really show uh, stick to Those of you who have had knees replaced, 
particularly, uh, but hips also, all of that. You know how you have to go through this physical therapy regimen and you know how it's not a comfortable thing to put yourself through and you have to really stick with it. Hang in there and, and run the course of the therapy for your cancer perhaps with, with high hopes of regaining your health. Not an easy go, that stick to itiveness. Maybe some of you can remember back to the age of Ashley and Holly with little ones in your family, and you can remember the challenges of being parents of youngsters, how little ones keep you going regardless of whether you want to keep going or not, how sleep-deprived you become, how you are on call all the time, whether you are sick or not. As the, as the saying goes, parents get no sick days off. Uh, stick to itiveness. Now, a better, a better word for our use today, perhaps, for stick to itiveness is fortitude. Encountering dangers, bearing pains, handling adversity with courage. Fortitude includes determination, endurance, grit, uh, nerve, stamina, uh, tenacity. These are all words that you might use with fortitude. And it's our subject today as we're thinking about our faith and the expression of our faith. We're in a Lenten series where I'm focusing on pillars of courageous faith, and I'm trying to call our attention to things that would help encourage us, strengthen us, bolster our ability to be courageous with our faith rather than averting our eyes or standing down or allowing something that um, is really problematic just to continue. We've talked about clarity. We've talked about conviction. We've talked about, uh, what, candor. Uh, we've talked about hope. All of these, I've been saying, are, are pillars of a courageous faith. And today, I want to suggest to you that fortitude is a pillar, one of the things that make it possible for us to be courageous in our faith. And when I think about fortitude, I think about how it really kind of relies upon commitment. So I, maybe I should have just said commitment, and I could have kept the C's going, right? Um, and by this I mean to, to bear the brunt of a difficulty and to keep moving forward. If you're not committed to the journey, is really hard to do. You know, think of our military or think of our civil rights heroes or think of, of those who you know that maintain or even blossom in the face of, of illnesses or trauma. Commitment to make the journey, to stay the course, to reach the goal, that seems to be present for them. Scripture gives us some foundations to, to stand upon and to speak off of when we, when we think about fortitude in faith. Heidi read the passage from Matthew where Peter is making his confession of faith at Caesarea Philippi. Jesus is wondering, what's the buzz out on the street about who I am? And the disciples say, well, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets maybe come back again. And then Peter uh, thinks about it a little bit more as Jesus says, well, who do you? You know, kind of focuses it in. Not what do they say, but what do you say? Which really is the million-dollar question, isn't it? What do you say? Peter blurts out, the Messiah, the son of the living God. It seems like Peter has gone all in for Jesus as he blurts out this, this identity of Jesus as 
the Christ. Fully committed, it would seem. And this focus of commitment carries him, it does, through a number of years of some difficulty and challenges in him, and actually, you might say, sustains him through the time in which we wonder whether he really was able to carry himself forward, which we will look at in a, in a couple weeks. Being all in, being committed, being wholehearted, yeah, not half-hearted. Well, where I was raised, we used a different part of the body for whole and heart, half, which I won't use here in worship, but you know what I'm talking about, and you want to be all of it rather than half of it if you're really going to sustain yourself in, in getting forward. This strengthens, this wholeheartedness strengthens our fortitude, which bolsters our courage. Now, the Luke passage is, is one that we often read when we're talking about evangelizing and doing stuff like that, but I, I wanted to just have Heidi read it and then look at it just a little differently because in this passage, we see Jesus sending out his disciples and they're to travel without any supplies, without any resources of support, right? So they're to travel putting themselves in a, a dependent situation, in a vulnerable situation. And I've wondered about that. Why, why does Jesus do it like that? Why doesn't Jesus say, and you know, one of you, get a big bag and put some stuff in there so that you don't have to be a burden to anybody or so that you're secure in your travels. Why doesn't Jesus say that? But he doesn't say that. He says, go out there. Don't even, don't even take extra sandals, no extra coats, no food, no nothing. Just go. Go and do my business. It seems to me that Jesus is sending them out, being vulnerable, having to be dependent upon other people, perhaps as a training exercise. They're learning how to share the gospel, yeah, yeah, but they also are learning how to rely on the impact of that gospel in other people's lives. They're learning how to rely upon God and the power of God as they move forward and extend this work of grace and love. I think about it as, a, as an experience that forges, that, that maybe tempers, maybe tempers their commitment, strengthens it through the fires of, of experience of being vulnerable in this community, being dependent upon the goodwill of those people. They're, they're practicing and learning and developing that trust in God, that reliance, developing that fortitude that stick to of their faith and to count on God to help make that happen. So as the disciples practice their reliance on God during this, this missionary trip, trying it on and experiencing what it's like to be that way, confessing it, claiming it, kind of living into it, they're strengthening themselves. They're in the process of strengthening themselves, of developing their commitment, their fortitude. And in doing that, they're bolstering the courage of their faith. They're getting a sense that they can put themselves out there, that they can be all in and survive and be okay and be successful be effective for God. Yeah, ah, we can do this. We can do this. It's not impossible. We, we, we really can do this if we just kind of count on God. To do what they're asked to do by Jesus, they, they needed clarity about what their purpose was, what they were up to. They needed a conviction, a conviction that they were doing the right thing, not the wrong thing. They needed a candor in their presentation so that they could relate in a good human way to the people that they encountered. 
so that what they said could actually be heard. They needed a truthfulness, a candor about what they were saying, like we spoke about, and they needed a hope. They, need, they needed a hope that they actually were doing something worthwhile, that they, that they were assisting the Messiah, that they were building the kingdom. And because of their clarity, their conviction, their candor and hope, they discovered a, a burgeoning fortitude that would sustain their efforts and bolster their courage. Now, I hope as I'm saying this about them, you're thinking about this about yourself. You're thinking about the times at the grocery store or when you've had political conversations or when you've been on the soccer field or when you've been in court or when you've been doing your business or when you've just been talking with other people in different places and you've, you've felt your knees kind of wobble a bit or you've felt your, your mind kind of go... You know what that is, right? And you're going to be thinking about, well, how can I keep this up? How can I speak truth to power? How can I be honest? How can I be loving across a barrier that's got a lot of spikes in it? How am I going to do this? Is it time to throw in the towel? Or do I have a little oomph left in me? Do I have a little stick to left in me that I can be a courageous person of faith? Fortitude helps you stay the course. Packers didn't win to the last 13 seconds. They had to play that whole game to get down to the last 13 seconds to win. You had to go through your whole life to get to where you are now. Sorry, but that's, that's what happened, right? And God hopes, we hope, that we have a little bit more to our lives than just today. That we have been going our whole lifetime preparing to live into tomorrow. With all the best that we are. through our clarity, our conviction, our candor, our hope, and our fortitude that we're just not going to toss in the towel and say, ah, this is enough. It's too hard now. Uh, fortitude. Jesus actually is the best illustration of the value of fortitude, although sometimes it's hard to make Jesus the illustration because everybody goes, well, he was Jesus, you know, and, and I'm not. Um, but, you know, we all are kind of Jesus if we open ourselves up to God and the Holy Spirit. Experiencing the hardships that he did, that he had the fortitude to go through, in the early part of his ministry, he says, you know, I, I don't even have a place to lay down and rest my head. A, a prophet has no place to lay his head, he says. And then knowing that the looming threats are happening, you know, he says, oh, let's go home and get a beer. He doesn't say that. He says, tell that Herod guy, tell that fox, nah, 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 nah. Jesus says, right? Jesus says, all right, Herod. You can threaten me. I don't care. I got stuff to do. Fortitude. Even to the point of turning his face to Jerusalem and going there, though there's a sense that this is the end game of the effort. Fortitude. This is the best example of fortitude in the face of challenges, which we, through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, can approach if we, if we open our hearts and we ask for this kind of assistance in faith.
Social scientist uh, Brene Brown states that people are vulnerable to discouragement that eats away and dissolves their fortitude in three particular ways. One is uncertainty, one is risk, and one is emotional exposure. You feel like, oh, well, I'm really out there, and uh, my heart's going to be chewed up by this. If you're wholehearted, if you're fully committed to what you're going after, it's much easier to sustain your fortitude in the face of these risks that discourage you. Stick-to-itiveness helps to battle rationalization. Stick-to-itiveness helps you to claim the power of your clear vision and your conviction about who it is and what it is you're to be about. It's very hard. It's very hard to sustain an effort of commitment to reach that goal if you're lackadaisical about it. Uh, I'll, I'm going to go to 25% of my chemo treatments. That ought to be enough to, you know, I'm going to go when I can and trust the medicine is, is really good. I'm going to be nice when it's convenient. I'm going to love when I'm able. But expect everybody to build a loving society. I'm going to step forward when there's no threat. Maybe that's good enough. Well, it's, it's really hard to keep up your effort in the face of challenges if you're not fully in, if you're not wholehearted in your hopes, in your aspiration for the blessed community, for the kingdom of God, of love and justice to reign. There's a special on TV right now about Londis County, about the disenfranchisement of local African Americans. Do you say it's, it's on TV now anymore? Because are those TVs in our living room? What do you call that when a show comes up now? But it's, but it's, not, a, it's not a... Well, anyway, if you, if you look at that monitor in your living room at your entertainment opportunities, one of them is a documentary on this. And these guys have been trying to get their enfranchisement secured for decades, for decades. And it traces back to Reconstruction. To, anyway, the story's a marvelous, very depressing story of, of what has had to happen, which would only have happened if they had fortitude because this went through a number of people's lives to get to the place where they finally secured the vote. Well, not secured the vote, but secured the ability to vote in their county. They had the right to vote, theoretically, for quite a while. But actually able to vote and not get killed or not get turned away was a different matter. Fortitude. Fortitude. I think of the Methodist circuit riders. Do you know their story, how they uh, helped spread our version of, of Protestantism through the East Coast? And we're heirs of that out here. Um, these circuit riders, they uh, rode horses, horseback. They rode from different communities. Uh, they had like 10 stops that they would go to over the, uh, the course of a quarter of a year, sometimes over the course of a half year. They rode on horseback, clump, clump, clump. Bible in hand, clump, that's how they studied, clump, 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 clump. They died in their 40s. They typically died in their 40s. Most all of them died in their 40s because of the rigor of the life that they were doing, the exhaustion of the experience of what they were doing, sleeping under trees, um, not always able to sleep in the houses of people that they would go to, whether it was snowing out, sleeting out, thunderstorms out, or 90 degrees uh, up and down the East Coast. They embodied fortitude. It's not maintained by accident, fortitude. You, you need a willing, you need an intentionality about yourself to stay committed to what we're talking about 
I'll tell a story that's, that's not, not one that puts us in a good light. And, and this is uh, of our denomination. You know, we, we, were, uh, we were given birth by John Wesley out of England, and he wrote uh, a, a long booklet against slavery. Uh, he was part of that movement in England, anti-slavery movement in England. And, and so the denomination got its kickstart from that. And as we spread in America, Asbury, Coke, all these guys that, if you know Methodist history, are ringing bells for you. If not, well, they're people that help things happen. They were anti-slavery too. It was written in our discipline. This is who we are. And as the denomination, as the movement spread, um, well, there started to be some wavering uh, about whether that was really the best thing to do because the people in the southern part of the states uh, saw life a little differently and there, it was hard to spread the movement in the south with a big banner, a flag you were waving that said you couldn't own slaves and you couldn't benefit from the resources of enslaving. You had to get rid of your slaves to be a Methodist clergy. And, and the Southern people said, hey, wait a second, that's not gonna work around here because you know we do slavery here and, and that's how we have this farm. That's how I have my wealth. That's how, you know, that's how I was able to build your church. Um, so, yeah, you know, ended up splitting the denomination. The church had an opportunity its backbone was tested, its commitment was tested as to whether it would hold tight to the gospel of loving all of God's children. And it found it didn't have the fortitude in about half our country to do that. Now, in hindsight, we look back at that with a critical eye. It was a challenge to think through at the time, right? And maybe we're living through some challenges right now where we're thinking, do we include or do we exclude? Do we love across barriers? Do we not love across barriers? Did Jesus really mean it, that God loves all of us? Or was there an asterisk for that? Fortitude. It can help us, and the wavering of our fortitude can really hurt us as disciples of Christ. Fortitude is the strength to endure. Jesus told his followers, take up your cross. You know, whatever you're going to go through, there's going to be maybe suffering and difficulties with it. You can do it. You stand strong. Well, these are words of encouragement from you from two millennia ago to buck up, right? To buck up for God and the Spirit. And the fact is that you can, that you can help build a community and a world for winter and for all of our children and our children's children if we have the fortitude to do it. Amen. Invited to share of your financial resources, and the instructions going to come up on the screen to help support what we have going on here in Christ through our congregation. Your generosity is needed for us to keep doing the good stuff that we do here in our community. So give what you can to be part of the good stuff that we're doing here in our community, the community of UMCWV.
Let us pray. Holy God, we ask you to bless these gifts and those who give them, that our ministries and your Son's Spirit might thrive, helping your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. like a 15 30 second video of next saturday here at church um that would be a better last minute announcement than me verbalizing go ahead Stay safe, be healthy, know that you are loved. Be blessed by that spirit and be a blessing to others. Amen. Amen. Amen.